guys, it's Janice. If you love this podcast and you've gotten great value and maybe a bit of entertainment out of past episodes, please consider a donation in support of both my podcast fees and my coffee habit. There's no obligation. Just click the link below and thanks so much for your support. Now on to today's episode. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hey, and welcome to this episode of Connections Coffee and Confidence. My name is Janice Fogarty, and I'm a communication strategist. This podcast is where I get to talk about all things strategic communications, including content creation and messaging. So whether you create content for your business or as your business, I know you're going to find something in each episode that contributes to your success. Thank you so much for being here today. And now, here's today's episode. Hey, hey, and welcome to this episode of Connections, Coffee, and Confidence with me, Janice. Today's topic is a little bit of a continuation from last week, where I spoke about the devil being in the details, and then I outlined some of the details to be aware of for better communications. I talked about how important it is to gather information and sift through it, to evaluate it in terms of what it might mean for you and your audiences so you can make better plans for your business, so you can adjust your messaging and your goals in an informed way. I spoke about how we all have so much opportunity to promote ourselves and our businesses. And conversely, we have an overwhelming opportunity to learn from others and about others. Now, because of that huge amount of information that comes at us, we need to know how to discern what is a worthwhile source, what is something that we should dig deeper into, and what we should completely disregard. Basically, I was talking about media literacy, which is an incredibly large topic that I've picked apart and done individual episodes on in the past, just not under the heading media literacy. It doesn't really sound like a sexy topic, nor is it something that you've necessarily thought about anyway, if it's not your explicit job. And if you have a background in communications, marketing, public relations, whatever, then you're already media aware. But maybe you might stick around anyway, because what I've been reminded of time and time again is that knowing something intellectually and knowing it in terms of your business are not necessarily the same thing. PR can be tough like that. Sometimes you get a kick in the pants. Here are two reasons why, as a business owner or as a business communicator, 
you need to have a basic grasp on media literacy. The first is because when you understand something, you do it better. When you have that context for how or why something works, you're better able to see the opportunities or even the pitfalls of doing things that way. And that is incredibly empowering. Knowing how media works as a source is a great foundation for making it work for you. And the second reason is so that you can make better decisions in your own life and business. When you understand what you're reading, you're watching, listening to in a different context, when you can see or hear the filter, you can peel that layer away and get to the essence of what was intended for you to take away. You can judge and act on what you're consuming in a more informed way and feel better about those decisions. Now, two points of clarity before I continue. When I say media, I mean all media, not just social media, but also the radio, television, newspapers, magazines, emails, advertisements, podcasts, yeah, even this one, and more. If you can consume it by reading, listening, watching, or feeling it, if you're getting information from it, that's media. And the second thing is that there are very few, if any, hard and fast rules. There's wiggle room and personal interpretation to be had. You might be able to skip some things if you are rock solid about the main criteria you base your judgments on. You don't have to plow through all of the concepts for every single article you read or every podcast you hear. I mean, if something's purely for entertainment, is it really worth running through a checklist of criteria? Maybe you just enjoy things for their own sake. But if it's going to impact the way you run your business, the way you vote, the way you speak to people, then yes, I strongly recommend you run through the following concepts and then bounce them off whatever it is you're basing your thoughts and decisions on. So let's set the scene. You read something on LinkedIn, you hear something on the radio, you watch something in a documentary, and it gets you thinking. But are you thinking your own thoughts? Or have you been persuaded to think what the content creator wanted you to think? And I say content creator because once upon a time, it would have been a journalist or a documentarian, but no longer. Now we are all content creators. We are all documentarians to some degree. And with that widening of the creator scope, with that loss of a governing body of ethics, we need to be more responsible for ourselves as creators and as consumers. Now, I always start with a basic analysis of the content itself. Ask yourself who or what the source of the material is. If your media source is an email, well, that's probably an easy one to figure out. If you signed up for that particular email, you're probably aware of who it's from and what the intent is. You've already decided that this is a reputable source or else you wouldn't have given them your email address. So that's a decision made. But if you hear something on a particular news channel, which has a reputation for being unscrupulous or being shoddy in reporting or for framing things in a particular way, is there truth to those positions? Is the content you're consuming framed to be one way or another? Integrity-based journalism should provide some sort of balance between sides. There should be someone who represents the other side or the other position or a different perspective to provide more information from which you can make your judgment. You might read an opinion piece or an opinion editorial, an op-ed, 
And while there might be a name attached to it, it might not be clear who that person is or why they've been compelled to create the content. You might not be able to easily tell if it's been paid for or not, which is handy information to have because something that's paid for is advertising and probably shouldn't hold as much sway with you because when you pay, you can get almost anything published, depending on the medium. Now, when you look at the source, look at who or what the gatekeepers are. And by that, I mean who is evaluating the information before it's published. MIT did an 11-year study called Lies Spread Faster Than Truth, where about 3 million people circulated roughly 126,000 rumors. They found that false news reached more people than the truth, where the top 1% of false information reached between 1,000 and 100,000 people. But the truth rarely hit more than 1,000 people. The fake news also traveled faster than the truth. So I guess there's a factual basis for that saying that bad news travels fast. So if bad news or fake news travels fast, who's in charge of stopping it from getting out in the first place? In all mainstream media, there is an editor. You'll always be able to find an editor's name somewhere on the medium itself. Editors are human. They aren't perfect but they are better than LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, etc., where anybody can publish whatever, and it's up to the algorithm or the whistleblowers to moderate the content. I think we've all seen this is a far from foolproof situation, which is why the first step in understanding what you're consuming is to look at the source, who or where the information has come from, and then you decide if it's worthy of your attention. Now, in terms of you and your business, you can take this as your sign to ensure your reputation is sparkling. This initial fact-checking exercise is why you work to present yourself as an expert, why you take the time to demonstrate your knowledge and skills, why you show your testimonials and display your qualifications and talk about why you do what you do. Because when someone sees your content, when they hear you on a podcast or they see your picture in their feed, they're going to check you out before they spend one dime with you. Your reputation makes you a credible source, someone to listen to, to trust, to value. Once you've checked the source, you need to evaluate the material. What is actually being said? Anything? I bet you've gone through an election at some point. You've maybe had someone knock on your door or watched a speech on TV. There are people who are incredibly adept at saying nothing. And they say it so incredibly well that you'd buy whatever they told you to and you'd vote for them if you could. But when you peel away all the pretty language and the panache of the delivery, you're left with nothing much of any substance. You have no idea what tangible action items would come out of voting for that person or buying their thing. Or maybe you are clear on the action or outcomes. Maybe you're clear on what you're supposed to think or do afterwards. Then you need to ask yourself, why? Why would someone want you to react that way? What's the benefit for them, whoever they are? Because there's probably a benefit for them. So weigh that up against the negatives or the reasons why you shouldn't respond the way they want. Is there a difference that matters? Look, this is your judgment call, by the way. I'm just advocating that you make it consciously. But maybe what has been said 
isn't logical. And by that, I mean, maybe what they've done is taken a generally known truth and applied it to a certain situation without backing it up completely. So for example, maybe they've taken the general assertion that everyone needs to purchase ads in order to get ahead. And that is what their post is all about. Is that true? It might generally be thought as true, but your business is running referrals and you don't want to grow anymore because you have a stable base and you're very happy with the size of your business and your turnover. If it grew, it would actually disrupt your life as you know it. And the disruption isn't worth the money you might make. So that general assumption doesn't actually apply to you. Making the whole piece of content not worth your time considering. Now that concept works in reverse too, where someone takes a specific example and turns it into proof of a larger concept of truth. Say for example, when somebody says, oh, my customer took my course and made $5 million the next month. Basically, my course makes people millions of dollars. Now I am slightly exaggerating that example, by the way, but I feel like maybe you can identify with that if you do work in the online arena. But look, in that piece of content, there's no mention of the fact that the person who took the course worked for 15 years to develop the relationships and the skills necessary to sell five $1 million products. That's a very different reality to me wanting to take that course, but only having a year in business and a $250 course to sell, you know? The general and the specific don't always align with each other or with reality. Content doesn't always contain the whole picture or the whole story, and it's up to you to be able to notice. Now, maybe part of their persuasion was more numbers, some statistics and facts. Numbers can be so powerful. Uh, actually, I just used a statistic and referred to a study myself. And by the way, that study is linked in the show notes. I think I forgot to mention that. But numbers, as pretty as they might look, don't necessarily mean anything either. I had to take some statistics classes as part of my degree. Yep, statistics for my public relations degree. But honestly, I am so glad that I did. The way that numbers and data can be skewed to say whatever you want is phenomenal. I could gather my mom and my dad and a few friends in a room and ask them if I have the best podcast in the world. And my mom and my dad and probably one friend would say, yeah, if that was five people and three agreed that I have the best podcast in the world, I now have a headline saying that 60% of respondents say I have the best podcast in the world. I grew it completely organically. So you should buy my ebook and find out how. That is a joke. I don't have an ebook. Similarly, I could get a group of 100 people together and pay them $100 each to listen to my podcast. And while they were listening, I could keep them supplied with wine and snacks and compliment them on their way in and on their way out. And then I'd ask them, oh, hey, by the way, did you tell me if you agree that I have the best podcast in the world? Statistics don't necessarily mean anything, as nice as they are to look at. If the content gives you a link and you don't feel comfortable clicking on a random link, Google it for yourself. And if they don't reference where they get their statistics, well, that could be an oversight on their part, but it could mean they don't really care too much about using the best data because the best data doesn't back them up. And I could get into subliminal messaging and triggering stereotypes or associations here. For example, looking at the use of the color green when something's meant to be fresh and clean, 
the color blue and it's meant to be healthy or medical related, or I could talk about image manipulation. There are ways and means of influencing people beyond the words and numbers used. So ask yourself, when you look at the quote, substance of the content, does it mean anything? What this means to your business is that you have a responsibility to have clear messaging ethically shared. I recommend listening to episode 91 of this podcast or getting my workbook to learn more about creating your brand or getting my messaging workbook. I'll link them all in the show notes. Because when you're clear on your tone, the language, the colors, the images that define your brand, and when you're clear on your values and messaging and you stick to them, you'll be better able to resist the temptation of straying into that gray area of promising the sun, moon, and stars. When really, all you can offer is a pretty lamp for their desk. Being clear on who you are and how you present yourself enables you to offer value consistently, which in turn builds your reputation. Now, once you've evaluated the source and the content itself, you have a really big blind spot to address. It's you. Now, don't worry, it's not just you, it's me too. We all have bias. It's part of being human and living in the world that we live in. The way we were brought up, the media we consume, the people we hang out with, everything helps shape us, whether we realize it or not. And especially now, the algorithms just bring us more of what we've already consumed. It feeds our confirmation bias. But another aspect of confirmation bias is that we assign a meaning to things that coincide with what we already believe to be true. So two of my boys like to argue, like I, I don't even know what to compare them to. They argue a lot. They rub each other the wrong way. And now that my youngest is old enough, he's figured out how to annoy his older brother on purpose. So the older guy has a belief that everything the younger guy does is done on purpose to make him mad. And he reacts accordingly which means the younger one realizes, hey, he's onto something and does whatever it is even more. Fun times. My point being is that the older one has a belief. He acts on the belief and assigns the meaning to events. And then it turns into a self-confirming prophecy. And it gives me a headache. But we all do this to some degree. So when we read something, we interpret it to our own beliefs and assign a value to the information. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it can hamper us when we're using the information to make decisions. To combat this, we can look for different sources, actively seek out other opinions, or at least the same story in other media. People will present things differently, and those differences can be very illuminating if we're willing to be open to them. Our biases leave us more susceptible to the stereotypes used in content. We need to ask ourselves if the content is saying what it's saying or what we want it to say. The way this awareness helps you in your business is because just like your biases influence the way you interpret information, it also influences the way you give information. So my older son believes his little brother is only out to annoy and harass him. Therefore, he speaks to his little brother like the younger guy is a major pain in the butt. And you might assume that Everyone knows they need a podiatrist, but they probably don't know, and they might not even know there is such a thing. You might think certain things about your audience or even about yourself or your business, but when you remove the foundational bias, you see that you aren't basing your ideas on anything real. You're actually assuming. And when you remove those assumptions, 
your messaging will become much more clear, more effective at targeting and impacting the people you want. So how do you, as a person with a life, put all this together and manage your media influence? How do you filter everything and make it make sense in your head and do it so quickly that you aren't spending 5,000 hours deciphering one website or one newspaper? The two tips I can give you are, one, run through all of them like a checklist when a piece of content is asking you to do or think something important to you, something that could have significant impact on you or your business. Just ask yourself, is the source credible? What is the content actually saying to me and why is it saying it like that? And am I interpreting this in my own special way? Does this mean what I think it does? If you run through the basics for each big piece of content consistently, you'll get quicker and quicker at it. You'll recognize the sources you trust, you'll scan to the bottom for references, or you'll look for stats to be linked. You'll check the words and the images used to see if they make sense. And my second tip for when you really don't have time to go through the whole list is to at least ask yourself who the source is and what they get out of you consuming their content. That should tell you if you trust them, how much you trust them, and if you need to file the information aside for further investigation before you take any action. Oh, actually, a bonus third tip is to go through other episodes of this podcast. I have touched on all of these topics before individually, just never before in this comprehensive way. We have a responsibility as content creators to manage how we say things, where we say them, and to be aware of our intentions. And our responsibility coincides with our level of influence. When you understand the context that shapes how others receive your information, you can be more intentional in how you create it. You can feel good about what you put out there to promote and represent your business. And when you peel off the filters as a consumer, you can make decisions based on information, not on assumptions and influenced positions. And both of these things are good things that will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening today and for sticking around for this longer than usual episode. If you know someone who would appreciate a primer on media literacy, please feel free to share this episode with them. And thank you to everybody who's already shared my work. If you enjoy my way of putting things, why not hop on my email list at janicefogarty.com forward slash email list, all one word, and get a once a week email with some behind the scenes information and tips on how to incorporate this information into your business. Thank you again for being here. Until next week, my friend, have a fan-freaking-tastic rest of your day. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 